know the official BC Lions podcast is back. Matt Baker alongside Nick Kowalski. It's a big week. Well, you could probably say big seven weeks to close out the regular season. Push to the playoffs remains on. And we are not inside the GoGoat Sports Studios today, but shout out to GoGoat Sports, Essa Carrison Price. Jealous of those guys up to Penticton this week. Uh, I did a recent episode from a Penticton backyard way back in July. Great spot to be. But Nick Kowalski, uh, along with me as always, it is Matt Baker, first and now. And you survived your first Montreal experience, Nick. Other than the, other than the team not faring very well, How'd you enjoy it? I I thought the stadium was pretty unbelievable in terms of the visuals. As you mentioned, it was my first time even stepping into the province of Quebec. So, I mean, the city, yeah, there's a lot going on in the city, which was cool. But that stadium and McGill, like there is just, we got there for golden hour when the team was doing their individual kind of warm-ups on the field before they put their pads on. And man, I, I, I had a great time filming that. Unfortunately, I didn't get the results we wanted on the field afterwards, but um, I was very impressed by by that that stadium, that atmosphere, everything. It was it was a really cool game, and I'd I definitely recommend CFL fans, to, to, or Lions fans, to even check out that stadium and make the the cross country trip there. Yeah, from an amenities standpoint, not the nicest place. It's old. Uh, there isn't much in terms of modern facilities. Uh, the locker rooms are pretty small and cramped. Uh, we had to do our post game Zoom press conferences just out on the track uh, with a little table. And some questionable Wi-Fi. Thankfully, we got it done. But yeah, you're right. It is the best backdrop in the CFL. Oh, yeah. Uh, right on campus. Uh, all those cool little old buildings. It almost kind of feels you're at Hogwarts or something for all those Harry Potter fans out there. And um, yeah, very, uh, very, very much um, an enjoyable experience. And pros and cons to all these cities we go to. Like Montreal is a five-hour flight and flying home all night isn't too pleasant. Although it was pretty smooth. Uh, this time around and um, as mentioned uh, the BC Lions for first time for the first time this season losers of two straight football games 31 to 10 uh, credit to Montreal who uh, had a good start and um, you know when it looked like the Lions might be efforting a bit of a fourth quarter comeback uh, defensively they made some plays uh, stripping by Brian Burnham of a ball at 21 10 an interception returned by Nafis Lion to sort of seal the deal Montreal came to play um, the run defense again, an issue for BC. Uh, the Alouettes racking up, I think it was like 178 total yards on the ground. But um, Coach Rick said it in the room. This is the first time this year that it's uh, it's feeling like adversity creeping in. And and you know what? If it's a blessing in disguise, maybe it puts some good pressure on this team. A home and home with the Calgary Stampeders. We're going to talk about Calgary here this week. But... Eight and three Lions, eight and four Stampeders. Uh, you don't get it done this week. All of a sudden, you're you're losing your control potentially as far as hosting a playoff game and finishing top two in the West. Should be big. Mm, yeah, I'm sure all the guys in the locker room and even the coaching staff now are they're onwards to Calgary and these this huge home and home coming up with second place on the line uh, this Saturday night. But Montreal, they've shown at times where they can be a dominant team. I saw. I mean, we saw them really take it to the Riders early in the year. They're the only team who's beaten the Winnipeg Blue yeah. Bombers this season, and they stepped up against us. Um, Coach Rick also said in the locker room that if we play like we did in that third quarter there where Antonio Pipkin was making some good throws and they're moving the ball, scored a touchdown too there, and actually got within range of making up 
a, a long comeback that ultimately didn't happen. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, six turnovers is not going to really cut it in the CFL. Um, the defense was out there for almost 34 minutes and it felt longer, but they they really held their own, in my opinion, if you're looking for, for positives. I, th- I mean, I think we've seen a player like Emmanuel Rugamba really step up uh, as he gets uh, more experience in the Canadian game. But, I mean, the defensive line still bringing it too with David Menard and Sione T- uh, Tuihema with some key sacks last week. So there's a lot to build on here, and especially with the new quarterback um, making his uh, first start as a BC Lion uh, this weekend. Yeah, and we, again, we're always looking for positives. One for me, second half defense. Again, um, a pick six, like I mentioned. But other than that, the defense itself only allowing three in the second half. So they buckled down. Uh, Ryan Phillips, a credit to him and his coaching staff, making the adjustments, uh, giving them a chance to win. But ultimately, uh, they'll own it. Yeah, they need better play at the quarterback position. And on that front, uh, we're recording this on a Monday about three hours or so ago after practice, Coach Rick Campbell making it official. Vernon Adams Jr. will make his first start as a Lion here Saturday night in Calgary. We knew this was coming. We had a feeling it would potentially wait until week two after the trade. But knowing that they're putting their eggs in the VA basket now, traded a first-round pick for this player. So that there was the indication that he's going to be given every opportunity to be with this team for as long as they're in this race and they're still anticipating, hoping, making a late Grey Cup run. But uh, VA is going to start. I think that news should have a trickle-down effect. And and with all due respect to everyone else who, who they've trotted out there, this will be the fourth starting quarterback used in, what, game 13 of the season. So game 12, I think, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Four, started, four straight games and with a different starting quarterback. So... Um, that should give this offense a shot in the arm, knowing that they're going to be rallying around VA for, for as long as they can. It's exciting, yeah. And, and I, I think that what maybe fans maybe not realize about when he stepped into the game last weekend briefly and, and didn't do um, – didn't do – I mean, he had a completion that was a fumble, unfortunately, but that was his only completion in his three pass attempts. But his only attempt. I think what maybe fans might not realize is that Vernon got here – um, about eight days ago now, he arrived in BC, nine, nine days ago he would arrived in BC, uh, had five, six practices under his belt. But whenever he was working with team reps, it was usually with the the, the, the twos, like the, the second team reps. So no Brian Burnham, no Keon Hatcher to throw to develop chemistry and all that. And this week, um, now that he's been announced a starter, he's, get, he's getting a full week of practice to work with uh, the starting five receivers that we've seen at times. You just put the ball in their vicinity and they're going to make the play for you. So it's definitely exciting news. It's it's inspiring news for a team right now that's off two losses back to back and trying to uh, keep pace for in this uber competitive West Division, especially now with Calgary right on right on our backs. But uh, it's exciting news, especially VA. He's, he's not called big play VA for no reason, too, right? Like we should expect some some big plays coming up here on Saturday with uh, with Adams Jr. under center. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I already was excited going into Calgary on a Saturday. I remember how much fun the last time was there uh, earlier in August. Uh, Nathan Rourke, 488 yards, uh, insane comeback, uh, 21-3 deficit at some point. And um, different circumstances now since the injury. But yeah, this, this Vernon Adams thing has given me an extra shot of adrenaline going into this one. Uh, very excited. Uh, it's VA's team now uh, for hopefully, 
you know, seven weeks and beyond. Uh, BC Lions, by the way, had a few people start to ask, uh, cannot clinch a playoff spot this week. The only scenario sent out by Steve Daniel at the league office is Winnipeg can clinch a home game. That's the only thing that can happen in the West anyway. Uh, they win in Hamilton and we take care of Calgary. I think they lock up at worst second place. So the Bombers are 12 and one. We're going to talk about some of the other games before we're done on this episode, but a BC Lions cannot clinch a playoff spot this week. A win in Calgary and a Hamilton loss that would do it for Winnipeg as far as a home game. That should almost do it. I think by my math, we win and the Ticats lose. All that would have to happen is Ottawa loses one more, I think. And then the Lions, as it stands now, can finish anywhere from first to fourth. Edmonton can't catch the Lions. That's official after Calgary just laid a whooping on the Elks on Saturday night. A 56 to 28, completing the four-game sweep, if you will, and the regular season series. Uh, mathematically, the Elks will not catch the Lions in 2022. That's really the only certainty from a Lions perspective. Doesn't put the Lions in the playoffs again yet. Um, need a couple of wins or a win and some help in the next couple of weeks on the out-of-town scoreboard. But can't really worry about that. I'm just outlining the scenarios as they sit and based on my C-minus math average from high school. So um, I know people are starting to ask. So... We know the Lions will finish from first to fourth, won't finish last, can't uh, finish below Edmonton, but still very much in control. And you get a win here, stirring a split in these two with Calgary. I think, you know, as as much as we are homers, we will acknowledge that sweeping this Calgary team, the way they're playing now, probably easier said than done, but um, getting one win assures them of having the regular season tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are these are two massive games coming up, especially it's it's still the two best offenses in the league in terms of uh, yards and production going at it with BC and Calgary or head-to-head. So, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting big, big offense, especially with these two new quarterbacks coming in. With uh, we, got, we obviously talked about Vernon Adams Jr., but, but Jake Mayer is going to be in for Calgary too, which is um, a different starter than we saw uh, back in that Nathan Rourke comeback as it was Bo Levi Mitchell on the other side. So, um you we like you said that we can control our own destiny i first isn't totally out of reach yet it's obviously a, it's going to be harder to achieve that and you're going to need some help now but i'm still looking there are those two matchups with winnipeg where you can gain four points on them so i mean if, if va takes this offense like nathan did and starts rolling and looks unstoppable like i mean best case scenario we're we're, we're right up there at, in october playing for a home playoff game but who knows what kind of home playoff game well, yeah, correct one small thing. Technically, the Lions do control their destiny. Win the rest, and they would be in first, because that would involve two wins over the Bombers, and the Bombers finishing no better than 15-3. and three. So, again, not expecting that to happen. I'm, yeah, they can finish anywhere from first to fourth, but let's just worry about going into McMahon and, and getting another win. It'll be the first time the Lions uh, see Jake Mayer, at least in a starting situation. We'll talk about that. Just one of the many intriguing angles to this one as the Lions uh, and us as well will be on the ground in Calgary getting ready to saddle up uh, for a big one Saturday, 4 o'clock Pacific against those Calgary Stampeders. So we'll talk more about that with uh, Mark Steven, uh, the longtime radio play-by-play voice of the Calgary Stampeders on CHQR in Calgary. 
um, host of Stampeders podcast as well, uh, the White Horse Rides. So we'll get a Calgary perspective from Mark Stephen coming up on First and Now. And it is our great pleasure now to be joined by uh, a very familiar name and voice uh, amongst CFL media circles. And correct us if we're wrong, Mark, but with the retirement of Bob Irving in Winnipeg, are you now the longest-serving radio play-by-play voice in the CFL? It's Mark Stephen of CHQR, yep. Voice of the Stampeders. Is that correct, Mark? I am, yeah. It wasn't part of any grand plan or anything. I guess you just enjoy what you do, carry on, the seasons add up, and here we are. But yes, that's uh, that's accurate. Very good. Uh, it's always always great uh, to have you on and always talk football with you. Uh, one of the best uh, at that in this country. It's always a good time. And tell you what, um, when the schedule first came out, um, I think we for sure circled these upcoming two games home-and-home home series, and uh, boy, oh boy, what a difference a couple weeks can make, as you know. Uh, what's the vibe uh, in Stamps country uh, with this big home-and-home home starting there at McMahon on Saturday? Well, they think they're putting their things together, uh, you know, starting to build a run. The final third of the season for the Stamps gets underway on the weekend, and uh, BC's the team they've got to run down if they want a home playoff date. They want a home playoff date. So, yes, this is very important. They're quite excited. They think they're hitting their stride now, and these are two very important games for the team coming up. Yeah, battle for second place as both teams enter this one uh, with 16 points, 8 wins. Um, you know, hitting on some of the key points, uh, big one for us anyway, uh, Jake Mayer, we've not seen him yet in a starting situation, but it's interesting. You go back to last year, remember week two, the Lions go in there, win a defensive battle, and it comes out that Bo Levi Mitchell uh, had a fractured leg, I believe it was, and then that's when Jake Mayer's audition really started. They make the bold move and they go to him. Now, what's your overall sense of how Jake's had a command of this offense this year, Mark? Oh, I think pretty good. I think he's quite stable. He's quite calm. He stands in there and he'll take hits. Uh, you know, the stats aren't dazzling, but they're very good. And the Stampeders have won largely with them in there. This is his job. He's not substituting or anything. This is his job now. So we'll see how far forward he takes the Stampeders. But uh, no, I think he settled in very nicely to the job. Uh, you know, his, I guess, audition or trial last year certainly helped out because he's clearly uh, a different quarterback and a better quarterback. And you know Bo Levi Mitchell very well. Uh, by all accounts, it seems like he's handling it like a pro. And who knows what, what can happen here uh, down the stretch as these games get more important. But your overall sense of how he's handled it and the professionalism he's displayed. Oh, I think you're you're right on what you said. Is he happy? Of course not. Is he? Uh, uh, does he believe the right call was made? No. But he's going to stand in there and help as much as he can. There's two things. Number one, uh, he's had the same talk with many other players through the years. You know, saying to them, "Hey, listen. Uh, you know, if they've uh, lost their job or had their time reduced, just stay with the process. Uh, you know, keep focusing on what you can focus on." And number two, uh, I mean, let's not be naive. The uh, quarterback picture changed in a hurry for a certain team. I could name and you know if the Stampeders have a you know if Jake Mayer gets hurt uh, you know you've got a, an experienced backup right there ready to go so all in all it's been handled as well as could be expected and uh, before I let Nick slide in here with a few of his own questions yeah you talk about Vernon Adams Jr. that was officially named after walkthrough a couple hours ago as we record this uh, I know you saw him back in week one right when, when Montreal mm -hmm. came in there 
Um, you know, what's your sense of uh, Vernon Adams Jr.? He's kind of been kicked around a bit, hasn't he? From starter to backup to this to that. Maybe this yeah. is the time when, you know, the coast is clear. He's going to play for an extended period. He can be very dynamic. He has killed the Stampeders at times with his ability to extend the plays. And, you know, I think he was pretty good in the opener there, but the Stampeders were a little better. Now, obviously, it didn't help that they lost their great running back stand back near the end of the first half. That changed things uh, quite a bit for them. But, no, I, I think he's, he's pretty good. And, uh, you know, maybe this will get his confidence back, being declared the starter early of the week, and go get him. Uh, I, I think he uh, commands a lot of respect among the Stampeders. And then, Mark, getting back to uh, Calgary's offense and Jake Mayer's weapons up front, um, Reggie Bagleton and Kamar Jordan are more the, the more veteran CFL uh, names that have been in this offense for a while, but Malik Henry, he, he's, he's the guy on offense now to throw to, right? He is fast. Oh my goodness. Get him out there and let him go. Yeah, he's the guy and him and Jake Mayer have developed a real chemistry, not only football but personally because they both came in as rookies last year and you know when you're a rookie, you're looking around, you're saying well, who's this guy, who's that guy, uh, maybe I'll sit beside this guy and they formed a really good friendship and it's paid off and both on the field and off the field. But you're right, he is a dangerous threat and among the fastest players in the league. And then, of course, Jalen Philpott and, dare I say, his name, Luther Hakanuvanu. That's correct. Nailed it. He's a quite a yes. He's Nailed quite a guy that. with a big catch radius, big six foot five, and you know he was a late draft choice. They kind of flipped a coin a little bit on picking him later, and it's worked out so far. And then another player we didn't see while our, our last trip to Calgary was uh, was Kadeem Carey. I mean, he's. Calgary's got the number one rushing offense right now, and they got they got a very strong O line too. But what do you think makes that whole run game click in Calgary uh, this season? Well, certainly they're, they commit to it. That's one thing they do. They do a good job of that. Number two, Kadeem Carey is really tough to bring down. He runs hard. He brings those knees up. I mean, even that uh, last play against Edmonton there, he just ran through guys and went to the end zone. He's just tough. He gets momentum. He, he's low to the ground, hard to knock him off his feet. Great balance. So he's really good. You're right. The line has played well. There's a chance we'll find out uh, possibly as early as tomorrow that the veteran Sean McEwen, who's been out a few games, will be back at center, further strengthening the line. He's eligible to play, so not sure of his status, but uh, he certainly is an elite center in the CFL. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, on the flip side here on their defense, um, just by looking at the numbers, it's a secondary that's given up the most pass, yarding, uh, pass yards per game this season, but also a secondary that's been missing Trey Roberson, Titus Wall now, um, JV and Elliott as well, too. But, I mean, the secondary that we saw last week, Tremaine Washington's really stepped up, but who else has been uh, kind of uh, stepped up so far with, uh, with the key guys out to the lineup right now? Well, you touched on it right there. There's been a lot of guys that have had to step up. I think they've started 14 different defensive backs this year, all due to a variety of injuries. Brad Muhammad has also played well. He's got a lot of knockdowns, not a lot of interceptions. He's done very well for the Stampeders. Ely Buka had a big interception return in the game in Toronto a few weeks ago, but it's been a real revolving door. Fortunately, he played well. Jonathan Moxie has kind of been the glue guy in the sense that he's a guy that's played just about everywhere because of injuries. You touched on Elliott, yet to hit the field this year. They say he's getting closer. They basically had him penciled in as the Sam linebacker, which is, in essence, a sixth defensive back. But he hasn't hit the field yet this year. So maybe his time is coming, although I don't believe it'll be this week. One area in uh, the last matchup in early August that, you know, nearly was the Lions' death knell was 
was special teams. We saw what happened with the big kickoff return uh, late in the fourth quarter before things got really crazy to end that game. Um, obviously starts with Mark Killam, but um, just outside of that, is there any specific thing that has made that unit click for these last uh, couple of years with special teams and kick coverage and returning kicks? Well, first, I'll start off with one part of the special teams. I think Rennie Paredes is in the conversation for special teams player of the year. He's been amazing. He's had five field goals plus 50 yards. He's very late in his career. Guys are supposed to slow down, not him. He's getting better in what could be his last season here. The return game, they've had a series of returners, but uh, certainly uh, young Logan has been very good. Peyton Logan has been very explosive. They put a lot of value in the return game. They have a lot of linebackers they add there, you know, big-bodied guys. So I know other teams do it as well, but they seem to get the most out of those positions, and they just seem to find the guys that can do it. Uh, They do a fair bit of work on it in practice. I'm not sure they do more than anybody else, but they do a lot of work on it and uh, cycle guys through. And uh, you're right, it certainly has worked. And uh, Mark Killam is one of the big reasons why. And we were kind of just conversing uh, before we really started this recording, just about, you know, obviously how big these games are in the schedule. Um, Stan Peters will play Edmonton and Calgary this month only. You've already played the, the Elks four times What's your overall view on this increased divisional play? I personally like it a lot, Mark. I do too, but uh, I wish they would have spread it out a little more. The Stamps played Edmonton twice early in the season. The Labor Day home-and-home is traditional, so I get that. But, you know, maybe you could have played Edmonton up there to start the season. I don't know, then later in the season. I know they're trying to emphasize division rivals later in the season, but... uh, I I guess I, I prefer it, but I'd like to see a little more spacing put into it because, you know, one month, two opponents, I don't know if that's exactly the, the game plan you want, but it's, it, it's what the Stamps have to deal with, and that's uh, just what it is. Yeah, we don't envy, you know, Trevor Hardy and the folks at the league. They they have a tough job, and they do a good job as, as much as we're kind of oh, I know, yeah. with the schedule. But, but also, and, well, but I agree, like, Toronto-Hamilton. Um, like, like, tell they, me how they, that makes any sense. They've played all their games right yeah, and that no. that kind of takes the excitement out of Labor Day for me. Yeah, I agree totally. And again, I get it if they want to compact the travel and increase the rivalries. I understand that. But, you know, start out the season Hamilton in Toronto. Week 6 Hamilton in Toronto. Labor Day, I get it. And then maybe week 14 down the line in a game that could determine playoff matchups. I get it. They're just, you know... I don't make up the schedule. I don't know everything that goes in, and it's easy to criticize the league, but they've also got the three-letter network whispering in their ear about what they want as well. So it's a, it's a puzzle, uh, but I hope they put some new pieces in next year. Definitely uh, a puzzle, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. It got Saskatchewan back-to-back Don't know, at the end of the season. What does that mean? I, I don't know. Played Winnipeg yeah. back-to-back. They have five back-to-backs uh, this year, so. Just too many home homes. Nick yeah, and, and the other thing is too, uh, the bye weeks like the Stampeders, you know, had second bye week, uh, you know, in August, and they have to go have one bye week the rest of the way. It's uh, just is so. Have to deal with it, I guess. Yep. I guess we're talking about we're talking BC Lions and Calgary Stampeders here, and of course, second and third place teams in the West what's the recipe in your mind to beating the top team, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? We have, we've only seen Montreal do it so far, but in your mind, like what, what's that blueprint to, to dethroning the Kings right now? 
this is what you should do, whether you can do it's another matter, is uh, keeping Caleros in the pocket. His ability to stretch plays is really something. Find a way to keep the two defensive ends who are good and they block passes. Somehow keep them wide to get your passing lanes clearer. Uh, you know, Find a way to keep Adam Big Hill out of the mix. Again, these are all what you should do. Can you do it? I, nobody has so far. Stamps have given them three good games, but the, they were three losses. So let's give Winnipeg the credit they deserve. They're on top. They are, again, the odds-on favorite to win it all. But, you know, there's still lots of time to go, and there's a one-game showdown. We all know how those could go. But nonetheless, uh, th those are the things I would try to do. But to actually do them is another matter. And i got to give credit. Uh, Oliveria has stepped right in and picked up from Andrew Harris. That, that's He's really done well. Yeah, def definitely easier said than done. Um, Very much. You mentioned yeah. the defensive lineman in Winnipeg too, but I I'm seeing uh, Sean Lemon. He's he's a he's a vet. Maybe forgot about a bit by the average CFL fan, but he's having a tremendous year, right? Like he has he, is. he has more yeah. sacks than those Winnipeg defensive ends, and just still getting it done, right? You bet. He's amazing. Out of forced fumbles, he's just everywhere. He's a leader. It's kind of a mystery to me why he's kicked around the league the way that he has. He's been here, there, and everywhere. He's, you know, chasing Kevin Glenn for the number of teams he played for. But they're not going to let him go from here. It just works here. This is the second tour of duty. I'm not slagging any of the other teams he was with. But, for you know, it works here. He's had his best and most success here with the Stampeders. Remember, Edmonton let him go at the end of camp last year. And, you know, Stamps were looking to upgrade that position. And he came in. And you're right. He's been uh, maybe the most an underreported story in the league because, uh, you know, the other linemen get a lot of attention, but he's got better numbers than them right now. And as I sit here with a third of the season to go, he's right there on my ballot for defensive Stampeders player of the year. I agree too with that. Um, and then also another guy, the, the linebacking core too, they, they got Cam Judge and Jameer Thurman. Those are two pretty solid guys who have plenty of CFL experience and now they're both healthy. And I, a judge is one guy I see, Wherever, whenever I'm watching Calgary football, he's just making plays wherever it is in the field by any means possible. You got that right. He That was an off-season trade, and what a terrific trade. They sent Royce Mechie to Toronto, uh, brought Judge here, and he signed. I, I'm with you totally. He's all over the place. He just never stops running, no matter what. Uh, Jameer Thurman, he's that big classic presence inside, but also you know speedy enough and uh, mobile enough to get to where he has to go. He's up there in tackles as well, uh, a great force. So those have been two tremendous uh, linebackers that have really solidified the team's defense. Yeah, I never forget how highly touted he was in the in the draft. Whenever it was 2017, I want to say yep. so. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely fits. Yeah, go ahead. Paper Canadian, much like Alex Singleton, right? They have, they have yeah, exactly. on paper they're <laughs> yeah. Canadians, but they're not really. He's, although he actually technically was born in Canada, but his the vast majority yeah. of his time been in the U.S. So. Hey, we got one of those, Jordan Williams. There you go. Mm -hmm. He didn't even yeah. know he could play as a Canadian, and then. Uh, we made the trade with Calgary, actually. To I know, and Calgary got Isaac Ademi Berglunds, and that's a trade that worked out for both because they're very happy with Ademi Berglund as well. And I'm sure the Lions yeah, are one of the great Williams, you bet. Absolutely. Uh, most outstanding rookie there in, in 2021. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, before we let you go, we, we kind of we had some fun off the top. Uh, you know, you're still loving it, still doing it after all these years, but Early nineties, uh, you would you, did you take over in ninety four? What was the year? Six ninety six. Ninety six. Just after Doug Flute. Yeah, just after. This. Oh yeah, I was around. I was the one yeah, of the. Yeah, you were covering the Stampeders. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so what are some of your best memories of the early 90s and some of those playoff meetings? And, of course, Flutie jumps ship over there. And uh, what are some of your favorite memories of some of those great battles in the 90s, Mark? Well, there's several things that stand out. One, I remember the news conference when it was announced Doug Flutie was coming. There was just palpable excitement there. That was amazing. Uh, Some other games I remember in 1991, the Stampeders were a rapidly improving team but they still had the Edmonton roadblock in their way. They went up there in 91, were trailing 33-18, going into the fourth. You figured it was more of the same. They just can't get by Edmonton. Instead, they came back and won the game on a legendary to Stampeder fans play of Pee Wee Smith catching a Danny Barrett touchdown pass. Um, You know, there was winning the Grey Cup in 92 when they were very dominant. There's the crushing defeat in 94, which uh, some people still haven't got over when the Lions came in with that last uh, play and won the game. And, uh, you know, those are some of them. There's many. There's many great plays by people like Doug Flutie. And we saw Dave Sapunja's play so well uh, all those years. He had some great seasons. And then Calvin Anderson came in. So there's an awful lot, uh, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to uh, be around a team that's generally been at or near the top all the time. So, you know what? It's generally been a joyous experience to be around people. I mean, look, I don't decide who wins and loses, but I'd rather be around winners and people that are upbeat after big games and, uh, you know, want to talk to you and are in generally an upbeat mood. And uh, I would say that's that's something I've been blessed with uh, all the time that I've been around the team. Yeah, the players really are are what make the league special. Just down-to-earth guys. Oh, yeah. You know, and like sometimes I'll just get a note out of nowhere from somebody uh, that I, I don't know, I forgot about them, but I hadn't been in contact with for years. And one guy texted me the other, about a year ago now, I guess, and said, just got my degree but I love my time in Canada. Okay, great. You know, just those kind of relationships and uh, uh, things like that. There's so many of them. I think the CFL is just full of them. And uh, you're right. It's one of the real uh, focal points and uh, selling points of the CFL is how real and accessible the people are. I mean, just a tiny example for me. uh, I parked right by where the players were. This was just the other day. And uh, I went out there and I sort of was looking for my car. Uh, you know, and uh, they drive the same cars we do. It looked the same. I finally found it. That's that's what I'm saying. They're down to earth. They're people we can relate to. You know, they're, they're driving the same car I do. I'm driving the same car they do. I don't think it would be the same in some, uh, you know, NFL settings. You, you definitely know where the player's lot was. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We see that out here for sure. Uh, listen, Mark, uh, we appreciate you taking the time and, uh, We'll be talking a lot, I'm sure, over the next couple of weeks. We look forward to seeing you at McMahon uh, Saturday or Friday, whenever we see you first, and um, continued success. Well, thank you. It's uh, really looking forward to it, uh, you know, back-to-back with the Lions. And uh, the Lions, I know, have the quarterback issues, but they've got a great group of receivers. And if they get their hands on the ball, look out. Good things can happen because I think they're really good. Very well said. Thank you, Mark. Awesome. Thanks, thank Mark. You. Excellent stuff with Mark Stephen. Uh, you can always hear it in his voice. Uh, he loves loves the job. Uh, great ambassador for Canadian football and the longtime play-by-play voice of the Calgary Stampeders on CHQR. Has a podcast as well, The White Horse Rides. Be sure to check that out if you're looking for uh, more of a fix on this upcoming game. And, uh, yeah, we hit on all the key points, Nick. I mean, uh, the quarterback angle is going to be intriguing. 
He mentioned Sean McEwen possibly coming back. I mean, the rich get richer. They're already so good up front. And, um, hey, it's going to be more intriguing uh, if that happens for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my mind, before Nathan Rourke went down, uh, I thought I thought BC had the best offense. But, I mean, Calgary I thought was the second best, and I still think they're the second best right now with Jake Mayer. They really don't have a weakness up front there. I mean, they got a great veteran O-line. They got these new receivers stepping in. Kadeem Carey, like we said, is really busted on the, onto the scene. But I have my eye on that secondary. I mean, if Vernon Adams and these receivers, they – they have the upper hand, in my opinion, on paper going into this game. So it's just a matter of executing on the field because that Calgary secondary, they've they've shown they can give up yards. And again, it's, it's, it is backups kind of stepping into elevated roles at several positions there. But if there's one area that the BC Lions have an advantage in um, uh, come Saturday, I think it's right there. Yeah. And again, we hit on it off the top. Uh, VA is going to play and, uh, you know, that brings a whole new element of intrigue for me. Four o'clock Saturday. Uh, again, we record this on a Monday, just a short practice, really full go. Uh, we'll see if the likes of uh, Obum Guachem, Delvin Bro Sr., uh, Bro, uh, probably a little iffy in terms of if he's going to go. Uh, looked like he was in some discomfort um, leaving the game in Montreal and, and on the plane home. But be sure to check out uh, bclions.com and the social media channels for any possible injury reports and injury updates. Uh, it is uh, week 15. We talked about it. Week 15. Where's the time gone? The Lions Stampede is the last game of the week. It's a three-game week. Always a bit of a lunch bag letdown. But again, we are we talked about it. Uh, those that make the schedule uh, certainly have a tough job. Edmonton in Saskatchewan, uh, the lone game on Friday. Uh, the Rough Riders had a tough battle in Winnipeg. Turns out they were dealing with uh, some stuff. Uh, we'll spare you the details, but a bit of a stomach bug. Uh, they were driving players in on game day from Regina. Not sure if you blame uh, that for them losing, but uh, Winnipeg looking like they're getting even better and better every week. But uh, Edmonton in Saskatchewan maybe the perfect little get well card, pardon the pun. Uh, for Saskatchewan as they look to get back to 500 and and maybe try to stay in a race for third place, depending on what happens with the Lions and Stamps. Yeah, I mean, on Saturday there, Saskatchewan, Cody Fajardo uh, was 15 of 18 on his passes, of course, not many yards, but then it was pretty efficient in that sense. Frankie Hickson still averaged seven yards a carry, but yeah, like you said, they kind of just ran into a, a Winnipeg team playing at the best of their abilities, but Saskatchewan, yeah, if they get these players back, uh, Keenan Schaefer-Baker didn't really um, see the field at all, if I'm not, not mistaken, um, on Saturday. Correct. So hopefully they get him back uh, from that illness, uh, and they, they should be able to roll again. I mean, Kyron Moore looks pretty good um, back into uh, his full-time starting role. Shaq Evans was back for them too. So, um, yeah, the Riders, they're always different at home. We've seen this year too. They're, they're a tough team to beat, even though uh, Nathan Rourke and the Lions went in there and did it a couple weeks ago. But – um, yeah, I, I expect Saskatchewan to kind of get back and get back in their groove and back healthy in the literal sense this week. And very um, credit to Saskatchewan for their game plan. They were aggressive. A couple of third and long gambles in the first half. They get them both. So you figure, okay, they're 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 playing like something's on the line here, but didn't matter for them at the end of the day. Uh, so we'll look for somewhere in Calgary perhaps to watch that on Friday night. Uh, the first half of the subble, Saturday doubleheader. Uh, what do you know? It is a Grey Cup rematch. Winnipeg at Hamilton, Tim Hortons Field, the, their first trip there since uh, the Grey Cup last December. Both you and I were there. 
Uh, obviously a much different circumstance this time around as Hamilton trying to save their season and Winnipeg looking to create more of a gap between themselves and um, the other teams chasing them in the West Division. But going to be intriguing to see how that one shakes out. Intriguing, yeah. I'm still waiting for news on Hamilton's quarterback situation, but um, if they if they play on offense like they did against Toronto on Labor Day, it could be a could be no big chance. problems for the Tie Cats. Yeah, Winnipeg, they're rolling right now. I mean, even when you got guys like Rashid Bailey stepping up and making highlight reel catches, where whereas Nick Dembski, Dalton Schoen has been doing it all year. Greg Ellingson, people forget about that he's injured. Yeah. <sighs> It's yeah. It's going to be a tough game for the Tie Cats, especially. To, another thing about Winnipeg, Brandon Alexander is likely nearing a comeback too, with from his ACL injury suffered um, in the offseason there. So, if if he can get back into that secondary, when that's one area Winnipeg's kind of banged up in right now. But if they can get him healthy and some other pieces back, uh, yeah, Winnipeg's going to be a very tough out, um, especially as they're nearing. They've already clinched a playoff spot, but if they're, I think they can clinch a home playoff spot with the win here, right? A win, and then I think, yeah, we talked about this off the top. Uh, we would have to beat Calgary as well. Um, but again, don't quote me on that. I, I try not to get, even though I've kind of done it a bit on Twitter and a little bit here, I try not to get too much into the scenarios. Uh, from a Lions perspective, just win a couple games and we're in the playoffs. Uh, easier said than done to beat Calgary twice. But, you know, this team has, has pleasantly surprised us a couple of times already in 2022. And uh, with Vernon Adams back there, you know, with all due respect to everybody else, gives a bit better of a chance. So there you have it, uh, just a three-game week. And again, one more on the Tiger Cats. Uh, talk about insult to injury, Brandon Banks making them pay dearly on, on Labor Day. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we haven't talked about the Labor Day game. Yeah, we, yeah that, we that, that get was cool it, yeah, to see. Yeah, we recorded on Labor Day last time, so we didn't have the two games to break down. And that's why I was more excited for Calgary-Edmonton on Saturday night. It's okay. Got dinner done, uh, sit down, uh, pour myself a, a glass of wine and, and see if the Elks can get off the home game schneid here, but uh, did not happen. But yeah, if you're a Ticat fan there watching them lose to Hamilton and, and Brandon Banks is the one making you pay, you must just be thinking, what the heck is going on? Yeah, that, that was a I, I, I love that touchdown too, where he's kind of looking like he's going to throw the football and then yeah. runs it in. He's got McLeod Bethel Thompson blocking for him, but that, that was a fun game. The Argos, if you're an Argos fan right now, you're feeling pretty good. They looked pretty good on Saturday too. And I mean, the score it was a one score game, but I thought it was pretty convincing for Toronto in, in that sense. Um, and they're kind of, they've established themselves right now in my mind as the best Eastern team. I know. I brought up earlier that Montreal um, at times can look pretty dominant, and they they, they kind of showed that against us uh, for several parts of our game last weekend. But um, right now, Toronto's Toronto's Toronto and even Montreal now they're kind of showing the East ain't too weak anymore. Even, even right. Ottawa too, in a sense, right? Yeah, um, Toronto's clearly uh, the best of that crop. Uh, looks like they're they're. Um, they're doing their best to pull away, and they they gutted out a win in Ottawa, twenty four nineteen. Um, Ottawa's offense ultimately letting them down at the end, but but yeah, um, and of course our friends at the CFLD.ca now have the Argos in a top three position in the power rankings. So thought that was kind of typical, but it is what it is, as a great philosopher once said. All right, my friend, uh, this week should be fun. We'll get back on the plane Friday. And uh, we'll see if the Lions can 
can really put a dagger uh, into Calgary as far as wrapping up the season series and, and winning two road games at McMahon in the same season it doesn't happen too often. So yeah. eight and three Lions, eight and four Stampeders, Saturday, four o'clock, Moj and Julio, the call on AM 730. Uh, be too, keep it tuned to bclions.com for the rest of our week's pregame content. At First and Now on Twitter, uh, available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. I'm at Bakes Takes 84 He is at Nick underscore Kowalski, Nick with a K only. Kowalski, the regular Eastern European spelling with an I on the end. And uh, we will talk to you folks next week. Nick, behave yourself. Behave yourself.